Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and I'm here today with Jimmy. Hi Jimmy. Hi Steph. And not Michelle. Michelle unfortunately had um, other countries to be in. <laughs> um, and we're here with a special guest today who is Dr. Leo Bryan who is a lecturer in the Department of English here at Macquarie University. Hi Lee. Hi, Stephanie. Um, Hello, Jimmy. Lee is a 19th century scholar who usually writes on um, women's lyric poetry and as well as George Eliot. She's been doing a bit of work on George Eliot quite recently. Um, She's also writing a very exciting sounding book on women's writing of the 1790s and 1890s with um, one of her colleagues whose name might be Stephanie. <laughs> and she's all, and we're here today to talk to her, though, about her work on crime fiction. So she's just had an article published in Clues on the writings of Gladys Mitchell. And so we thought we'd bring Lee in today to talk to her about the golden age crime novelist Gladys Mitchell. Gladys Mitchell. So who oh. is Jack Gladys so Mitchell? So who is Gladys Mitchell? Yeah. Well, she's a wonderful writer for starters. Um, she was born at the beginning of the ni- uh, 20th century, 1901. Uh, she died in 1983. Um, she published, she's, she wrote a few novels that were rejected by publishers, but then she got Speedy Death accepted in 1929. Mm-hmm. So she was actually quite a young woman when she started writing the Mrs. Lestrange, Mrs. Bradley um, detective stories, which is wonderful because her detective is a very old woman, and I love the paradox of that. Um, she was she's a bit of a new woman. Fantastic. We talk a lot about we new do women. talk a lot about new women, um, and yeah. she so she's <laughs> inherits that whole intellectual um, ethos of the new woman, and and and. Um, making women um, intellectually engaged and physically strong. She was a school teacher for most of her professional life. Um, she was actually an Olympic athlete. I don't know if she actually competed in one of the Olympics, but <laughs> she, she, was, she was very physically inclined as well as intellectually brilliant. Um, so she uses her experience, I think, uh, she never married. She uses her experiences as a school teacher and a headmistress um, as the plots of a lot of her novels. A lot of her novels are set in schools and convents and that sort of closed order. Um, so, um, and she she had lots of very close women friends. Um, some of the epigraphs and dedications of the novels are very moving. So she was clearly part of a very supportive network of, of women friends and a lot, lot of them writers too. The other person she was very close to was her brother. Um, she had a wonderful, um, very close, very close family relationship as far as I know. There's only one interview with her, sadly enough. So I don't know much more than that about no. her private life, her, 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 her non-writing life. She had a long career, didn't she? Very long, yes. Um, she died in 1983. And once she got published, she more or less pumped out a novel every year, uh, right from 1929 right, right through to 83. Wow. Um, the Crozier Pharaohs, which are actually a breed of dog. Oh. That's a Mrs. Bradley novel that was published posthumously uh, after she died. So she, co- So she... Starts in the golden age, but like Agatha Christie, her um, career goes way beyond golden age detective fiction mm. into a time when detective fiction didn't sort of change dramatically and spy thrillers and a whole lot of different popular forms had taken over in you know the 70s, 60s, 70s and later, but she's still stuck with it. Yep. 
as Agatha Christie did. Um, she wasn't as popular in America as Christie. In fact, she has nowhere near the sales and, uh, as Christie. I was going to say, why is it that we know Agatha Christie and we know, you know, Sayers, um, but we don't know her? I don't know. Partly I think it's because for some reason she wasn't as popular in America. And when you crack the American market, that tends to make give people visibility. I think it has to do a lot with her detective, Mrs. Bradley. Yeah. Um, who's this fascinatingly old, withered, witch-like figure. And she's 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 just so powerful and, and, and she she's not like Miss Marple. Miss Marple has that kind of protective fluffiness, yeah. even though Miss Marple's a bit sudden death. <laughs> but Mrs. Bradley is, is is really quite confronting and she gives she makes her very ugly. Uh, she has appalling dress sense. She, she dresses like a macaw with all these clashing colours. She has these withered hands. The only thing beautiful about her is her voice. So I think, to answer your question, I, I think it's... I, I, don't, I think a lot of people were just put off by Mrs. Bradley. Yeah. And she had to soften uh, the character a little bit later on. But for the first 30 or so novels, you've got this wonderfully lurid aggressive, fascinating, uh, strange, reptilian. The, the reptilian imagery is there endlessly. Yeah, yes. I mean, that, yeah. that's one of the things I was yeah. really surprised and yeah. delighted by with the description of Mrs. Bradley throughout yeah. this entire novel. You know, yeah. She's constantly being compared to uh, birds or reptiles. Yes. Or you know, a crocodile. Yeah. A crocodile and a pterodactyl. Yeah. And mm, I think yes. the first description of her was that you know, she yes. reminded him of a, yes. a pterodactyl on display somewhere. That's right. I've got that, yes. She <laughs> was dry without being shriveled and bird-like without being pretty. She reminded Alastair Bing, who was afraid of her, of the reconstruction of a pterodactyl he'd once seen <laughs> in the German museum. There was the same inhuman malignity in her expression as in that defunct bird. And like it, she had a cynical smoke about her mouth even when she was in repose. Uh, she possessed nasty, dry, claw-like hands, <laughs> and her arms, yellow and curiously repulsive, suggested the pluck wings of a fowl. Now, you ask me why she's not... I fell in love with her straight away, but you ask why she's not... Um, but yet what you're saying about the reptile stuff is really interesting because I think there are you would pick this up there are mm. mythic resonances there are so there, many mythic uh, resonances throughout yeah. this entire um, novel and with so um, you're talking about Speedy Death the first with novel with Speedy Death yes. Yes. sorry um, I yes. that. Um, and for me it was it was fascinating because Miss um, Mrs. Bradley is unlike most detectives you have ever encountered mm. um, uh, especially during this stage when um, the detective was getting humanised through these various different uh, incarnation, yeah. Yeah. and then suddenly you have someone who's the complete opposite of that. You know, she goes to great lengths to almost turn into an animal. You know, yeah. this highly intelligent animal-like yeah. creature. She's predatory. Yeah, she's yeah. very predatory, and yeah. she takes great joy out of you know all the all the manipulation that she does yeah. and all the way that she yeah. handles the situation. Um, there's one description that I just couldn't help but laugh at, um, and it was a picture of Mrs. Bradley uh, in, in her dressing gown. And they said, you know, uh, in her dressing gown, she was even more unattractive than she was <laughs> she outside was of it. She had very <laughs> lurid dressing gowns <laughs> with dragons and things. And I thought, it, you yeah. know, oh dear, this poor woman, yeah. you know, never gets yeah. a, a break yeah. at all. Yeah. But at the same time, she then, uh, for me anyway, harkened back to an older tradition, uh, which uh, was Marion Halcombe. You know, Marion Halcombe yes. uh, was described yes. as hideously yeah. ugly, but 
in a very, woman in white. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. um, with her, I think, monobrow or something like that. Or yes. moustache, that's what it was. Yes. She had a moustache, yes. and she was meant to be this hideous figure, but yes. so intelligent yes. that yes. people were attracted to it her. It takes a lot of courage to make an ugly woman, particularly <laughs> an ugly old woman, the centrepiece mm. of your of your story. Yeah. I mean, that's taking a risk. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, you know, it, it didn't pay off in the sense that she's not... I think she deserves to be every bit as widely read as Christy, but she's, mm. I don't think she's going to be ever. I mean, and it's not to say that Christy doesn't have this too, but I, I mean, I've read, I think, about five or six of these novels on yeah. your recommendation. Yeah. Um, and what struck me about um, Gladys Mitchell novels is that she's more willing to kind of go there in terms yes. of exposing how terrible most people are. Yes. All of her characters yes. are, are really terrible people. Yes. She's not, yes. She doesn't really pull any punches. No, she doesn't. And the families are actually family. They are. Speaking of our other undying love, Georgette Hyer, yeah. uh, if we're allowed to mention that. Well, of course. Hyer's the same. She exposes the family dynamics. It's yeah. mostly really nasty. And and when... Um, <laughs> and Mrs. most of the murders come in. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Most the of the murders family. are in the family. Yeah. And when Mrs. Bradley comes in, she knows she has a lot of fun with that. Yeah, she does. She doesn't, she's she not does. ever, she doesn't kind yeah. of moralise. She just sort of has yeah. fun picking at how yeah. terrible all these people are and yeah. all the various ways, even if they're not the murderer, all the various ways yeah. that they're capable of cruelty. Yes, and selfishness. And yeah. yeah, she's very, you're right, she's very uncompromising in a lot of things and the social observation, and she's dark. She's you mentioned the humour. Yeah. That's in all the novels. It's mm. very funny. You find yourself bursting out laughing at some of the images and the things she says. Mm. And there's this black humour that wends its way all the way through. Yeah. It's a kind of modern element to it. Yeah, I mean, and it's very clever in that aspect. You, know, you talk about the family. I, I noticed one of the um, mention of Mrs. Bradley, which I was making that connection while I was reading it, uh, was that she appeared in an almost Medea-like manner. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and in a novel like this, yes. you know, when you're talking about the, the horrible family, uh, yes. with the absent mother in that case, yes. she almost takes on that mother yes. figure and yes. it almost um, uh, foreshadows yes. what's going to happen yes. later on you know, yes. in a very clever yes. way. And it is a very dark novel, and I think you know possibly what, one of the reasons why she may not be as successful is because it takes the detective into an area that at this period in time people were not prepared you know, to see no. the detective go. No. I mean, I think mm. it's actually a very modern or contemporary novel, I should say. Mm. Um, I, I think mm. if she published this now, it would be much better received yeah. than the time yeah. that she actually published yeah. it then, because yeah. now we have a lot of novels yeah. like this where the yes. detective can be seen yes. in a very amoral... Yes, uh, lone and wolf type. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. back then, I think it would have um, insulted yeah. or confronted yes. uh, a lot of the people back then, yeah. uh, and they wouldn't have been yeah. ready for the detective to And to it's in interesting what you say about the nature of the detective because with Dorothy Sayers you've got mm. Lord Peter Whimsey, the aristocrat yes. mm. the same with Marjorie Allingham you've got Campion who apparently is a member of the royal family somehow mm. you know, and all their authority comes from this upper class male mm. thing that, that, they, that Sayers and Allingham play on all the time mm. and I think what's really interesting about Mitchell is that she allows a woman to have genuine power she does, as you say, Stephanie. She doesn't pull the punches. She doesn't. She doesn't soften things. Mm. She allows that power to operate. And as some of her readers really hated that. You see, mm. In that, um, she says uh, a lot of people got really irritated by Mrs. Bradley's manner. She has this witch-like cackle, and she keeps prodding people <laughs> in the ribs. <laughs> in the ribs, I mean. And so she she had to soften that later. She said she took a lot of that mm. strange stuff out. And, and there's a lot of comparison. Um, Mrs. Uh, 
Bradley with witches. I mean, I think again, one yes. of the first description is yes. that if we had lived in you know yes. uh, more, less tolerant times, yes. she would have been burned yes. as a witch. Well, that's right, and that raises some really interesting questions about the characterisation too, because Mitchell was a, a, a great um, expert in folklore, in mm. British folklore, and the pagan. And and there, it's an open question. I've I've changed my mind a lot about it about we are whether we're to read Mrs. Bradley as actually being a witch, mm. and and I think it, it or a Sybil. Jimmy, you've done work on myth yeah. and detection. Mm. She's also um, one of the kindly ones, the Eumenides, Nemesis, yes. the Furies. Yes, she has this mythic power to bring justice. Yes. Uh, by her own hand. Yes, you know, exactly. Which is, which is what she, what she does. does. You know, she takes yeah. it into her into own her hands own and say, hands. well, yeah. uh, I mean, for me, the ending uh, is actually very mythic in the sense of... Uh, spoiler warning? Death, and, yes, sorry. Spoilers. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Yes. If you are not... Yes. Uh, spoiler alarm's on, going off. Yes, if you're planning on reading this novel, <laughs> now would be a good time to pause this and put it aside and come back. Because uh, we're going to spill it. Because we're going to spill it. Because I can't help but talk about the ending. It's so spectacular and I do want to talk about it. But yes, if you're planning on reading a novel, please pause now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it reminded me very much uh, of the um, Aristian myth. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. So she almost comes in like this Athena-like yes. figure. And so say, well, yes. you know what? What's going to happen is you're going to kill you, and you know, you're going to kill you, and then everybody's just going to die, and it's just going to be horrible. Why don't I, I take this on board? I'm going to stop it. Mm. And they can't pin it on me because they're too clever mm. to, to, to mm. pin it on me. So I'm just going to stop it right here. Mm. And she does, and she convinces you know, rather... It's, it, it's brilliant, but at the same time, it's uh, very confronting. I think because you know, well, it's yeah. cold-blooded murder. It is yeah, cold-blooded murder. She actually murder. poisons yeah. a woman in front she of po- witnesses. She's yeah, and, she's and, and she sets it up very. You know, it's it's. Um, she plans the entire thing very meticulously. Yeah. You know, and she yeah. basically commits the perfect murder because yeah. everybody knows she did it, and nobody but can prove that she can that she did it. Mm. Uh, even her own son sort of said, "Well, you did it, didn't you, mummy?" Yeah, <laughs> and she, she's like, well, of course, well, I, of did course it. I did it. <laughs> but I mean. How- but again, like, else? can you imagine the, the, the audacity of Gladys Mitchell to write her first detective yes. novel using this detective yes. and have the detective be the murderer? Yes, exactly. It's unbelievable. Yes. I love that about yeah. her. She's, she, and she does it a few more times in, in, in the novel. She, she bumps off. <laughs> she bumps off. And I was, she thinks they're not going to come to justice. You know? And I was reading your, your article and it reminded me that in Death at the Opera, yes. she writes a letter to the murderer yes. um, that says, oh, you know, that was really clever. <laughs> the way that you, you carried out that murder, I really admire you. Um, that was such a clever way of, of carrying out murder. Only somebody as smart as me would have been able to pick it up. Top's work to you, mate. Yours, yours, yours forever or something. Yeah, yeah, yours yeah. forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think she does have her... her Precursors, you know, in, um, in other detective figures, certainly Sherlock Holmes is one of the first to allow a murder to go to um, go unsolved, to go yeah. unsolved, or yes. rather to say, "I'm not going to um, look at this particular case at all." Yes, but um, I can't think of a, a detective that actually goes ahead and kills uh, uh, <laughs> somebody, or, yes. or in this case, kills the criminal that's because right. uh, it would just have been too dangerous to yes. allow the criminal to. And yes. I think that's an, there's an added fish on there because she's a woman. And, yes. you know, an yes. older woman who's not yes. supposed to be behaving. You know, we have these kind of cultural stereotypes around yeah. older women and, and how they behave. Yes, yeah, and they are powerless. They're usually powerless. Yeah. And, and what I like, too, is a lot of the young male characters respond to her. They they, they, they sense something about her. Mm. And although she puts them at odds a bit, they, they and so do the young women. They actually like her. Yeah. There's that thing about it. So, you know, it's it's really interesting what how she does it. She makes her on the surface so unattractive and 
mm. awful, but she has this wonderful, almost seductive quality about her. Well, I think in a way the, um, her job explains it, you know, the, the psychoanalysis or yes. the psychoanalyst in her, yes. she draws people in because she's yes. a keen observer yes. of what they are and she's yes. an observer that people love to talk about themselves yes. and give them a chance. Yeah. And that's one of her main yeah. skills. You know, she yes. can draw people in and draw their stories yeah. out. Uh, See, that's interesting too because she's also a Freudian. Yes. She's a psychoanalyst, a talking cure. She's a doctor, so mm. she's a healer. And in Come Away Death, um, the snake imagery really takes over in some fascinating novel. Mm. Um, they go to Greece and they reenact the Dionysian mysteries or whatever. But the um, linking of her with the, you know, the, the snake is a symbol of doctors and healing. Mm. And they, they, there's a lot. Mitchell links Mrs. Bradley quite explicitly with that mythic healing. But as you know, in myths, healing can be a bit of a devastating thing. You know, mm. there could be a high body count when, yeah. when things are sorted out. So it's that paradoxical healing and killing, mm. curing and killing. And I, I really like what you say about the way she works against the stereotypes. No, people don't wish to see old women as figures of power. Well, it, people don't really wish to see old women at all. They're very, very <laughs> exactly. Absent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Who wants to know? They're very absent from literature and from film and television. Yes. You Especially know. as major central characters, they can be mm. sort of off in the woodwork as, as, as a minor character. But or when they do yeah. appear, they're they're beautiful or they're youthful. Yes. yes. And she she's so yeah. ugly. Yes. And and yes. she makes such a point of her ugliness mm. that I think it's really remarkable that we get this. Yes. With yes, none of the softness, yes, as you say, of, of, of a Miss Marple yeah, type. Exactly. She's very abrasive. Yes. Yeah, well, she almost proudly displays her ugliness, doesn't she? She does. She does. Yeah, yeah. And yeah she while does I was reading this, yeah, I, mm. I thought it went, um, it, for her, her, um, her unattractiveness is actually her disguise. Because mm. um, I'm very interested in the idea that you know, detectives really yeah. disguise themselves yeah. because that's the way that they can get yeah. the truth out of people. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, Marple does it with you know, her age by you know, appearing like a you know, yeah, yeah. So that's her disguise. Yeah, yeah. But with um, Mrs. Bradley, it's almost as if she's saying, "Well, if I'm ugly, that's going to be my disguise. I'm going to show how ugly I am." So you're yeah. so distracted yeah. by my ugliness, yeah. and you're not actually seeing yeah. anything else. Yeah. And she almost seems to you know, revel, revel in this yeah. ugliness. And yeah. so every description of her is about that reptilian, what's the, that crocodile, yes, crocodilian <laughs> smile. Um, like, yeah, know, but at the same time, there's there's an unusually strange um, connection between all these different animals. Um, yes. You know, birds, reptiles, uh, yeah. you know, have been shown to be part of the same family now. Yeah. So yeah. she's almost been um, yeah. thrown into that same yeah. group. Yeah. But at the same time, there's uh, something very predatory yeah. about mm. those oh, animals. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. and she's you know yeah. a very very she's almost at the top of the predator. She knew her home stories really well, and mm. I think she's picking up aspects of Sherlock Holmes' characterisation because Holmes is a predator; mm. he's a hunter. And I think, With his it, yes, thing. that's yeah. right. There, he's described as a bird of prey in one of the stories, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and so she picks up, yes, and the 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 nature of the detective as actually a hunter. Mm. And if 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 they get the murderer, well, death is going to going to unfold because the murderer there was capital punishment when she was writing so mm. the murderer is going to be killed that's something that Dorothy Sayers tried to soften with Lord Peter Whimsey, mm. she kept making Whimsy really upset about the fact, what am I doing, you know I'm, I'm bringing justice but this person is going to be hanged for, for the crime Mrs Bradley doesn't worry 
sorry about any of that. <laughs> no, she doesn't care. She enjoys it. it she it, loves it. It's the hunt. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it's this satisfying, fulfilling. Things are made good as much as she can make them good, even though it is by violent means. Mm. Yeah, and I think one of the um, actual genius of the novel also is the fact that uh, we actually do find out who the the criminal is very early on in the novel, um, and yet the suspense is still there because I'm thinking, is she actually the criminal, or is she tricking me somehow? And then right till the end, I thought it went, okay, so she is the criminal, so she actually keeps that suspense all the way throughout, and I think it's a a testament to the the character itself, the fact that she... Uh, because she's so clever, you're always thinking, well, is she lying? Is she lying to this character? Is she lying yeah. to that character? Yeah. And you never quite get an insight into yeah. her. I think she becomes yeah. as much a mystery to the reader as she is to the characters. That's very perceptive. I, I think that's that she picks up on that in later novels. If you love the novels and stay with them, you're sort of drawn into that world where you trust her knowledge. And she never, it's never really explained. You know how you get it in Sherlock Holmes? He's mm-hmm. done all these, these studies. He's got his criminal volumes of every crime and blah, blah, blah. She doesn't do any of that. It's very much at that level of intuition and knowledge Mm. And so her mechanisms are never really explained. And some people find that irritating because she makes these leaps all through. The, the plots are totally bizarre, a mm. lot of them. And that upset a lot of people too. Mm. I mean, <laughs> Philip it's quite Larkin, complex too, Oh, isn't incredibly it? complex. Yeah. Yeah. Philip Larkin, the poet, loved her. He called her the great Gladys. <laughs> and he said he, loves, he, he thought she was a novelist, not mm. a detective novelist. She was a great novelist. And he said that in some of the stories, you're not a, you can't, you don't know who did it, but you're not even quite sure who's been murdered. That's right. <laughs> and she takes that, that formula idea with these complex plots and she just wraps it up. There's a level yeah. of the absurd. Mm. But I find that it's odd because I've, I've written about um, the, the, the novel um, of, of The Rising of the Moon, which I think is her best novel. And there's a humanity about the way things unfold that comes through Mrs. Bradley's understanding of human frailty. Mm. So she has to, she's like a doctor, she sort of cuts out the diseased bits, but she's remarkably non-judgmental. So there's Mm. all that kind of interesting stuff that that unfolds. I mean, even with this novel, I think the the humanity of Mrs. Bradley, I mean, it's a very unconventional type of very, humanity, very. but when you think about it, what she's arguing is in a way for the greater good. Yes. You know? So yeah. what what am I to do here? Yes. Am I to wait until this person has caused tragedy in everybody else's yes. life, or yes. should I do what uh, a good yes. surgeon would do and, yes. uh, and cut off the, the, the cancerous part yes. and allow the rest That's of the, the family to rebuild yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. She has a real sense of like uh, championing the underdog of the of the, the person who's been abused or is being neglected. Yes. Mm. yes. And that's a very nice kind of It is, you're right. Relatable yes, characteristic. It's part of that humanity. The hum- she's a very humane vision, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time there's also something um, strangely supernatural about her yes. as well. Mm. You know, there's yes. there's that scene I was thinking of and I thought it was just such a, a fabulous scene where the two men cannot control um, Eleanor. Yes. You know, she's gone absolutely, she's like frothing at the mouth, she's biting at them. Yes. And then in comes Mrs. Bradley and says, you know, you, you're very tired now, you're getting up and you're moving. It's almost like she hypnotizes yeah. this poor girl yeah. uh, and you know, puts yeah. her in place and she has complete control and control. Yeah. You know, exactly. Two grown men yeah. cannot control this, this girl and this you know, 
ugly little old you know reptilian yeah. woman comes yeah. along and, and boom that, that's it she gets her and, yeah. uh, and then she kills her, of course yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was a good incident but you know she, minor complication yeah, yeah minor complication <laughs> um, but the fact that you know she is such a powerful figure yeah, really comes so. through in that scene uncompromisingly yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. and so, the way she tends to like turn up when she's yeah, most needed, like she just yeah. mysteriously, mysteriously yeah. sort of appears yeah, she does. at yeah. the exact right moment. Yeah. Like, you sh- I mean, after yeah. some sort of crime has taken place yeah. in some cases, yeah. but in other cases, she's the crime. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but she just it yeah. appears in exactly the right moment somehow, and it's never quite clear how. She's just there all of a sudden. And I think too, there's feminist elements to yeah. that underdog thing because a lot of the underdogs in the story, I mean, when. She's got a lot of young women who are, or middle-aged women who are serial killers and have to be pumped off. But she's also <laughs> got a whole, you know, gallery of really um, sympathetic mm. female characters. And I love it. In one of the stories, um, she lets the young woman murderer get off <laughs> because she's actually killed the council officer who wouldn't let her get a, a scholarship or something she <laughs> said I can actually understand why you needed you yeah, out yeah. of the way <laughs> so it's part of that black humour mm. and it's sort of but it but it has a moral force beyond the conventional mm. and she's playing with those ideas as you say of the underdog and, and who you protect mm. well it's it's a very I mean this novel in particular you know, she deals with a lot of issues that I imagine would have been quite taboo during this particular period yes. I mean, the, the first victim is a woman disguised as a man, as a man. and most characters thought was a man, yes. mm-hmm. who was going to marry, you know, the, yes. the female more, figure. More so spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I gave the spoiler. We already gave the ending. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, all, it's all on now. Yeah. Um, and okay. it's not too much of a spoiler, because you get that in the first yes, chapter. You do. Like that, so yes, you So that's really yes. fairly early, so I don't feel too guilty about that No, no, no. Uh, don't waste time. No, no, no. Tony was never... Guilty of spoilers, so why should I be? You know, yeah. He gave terrible spoilers to me you know, throughout <laughs> my entire time. He's kind of like, no, this happens and this. And I was kind of like, I was going to watch that. <laughs> but now, thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, d- to delve into some of those issues yeah. Um, yeah. with an almost, the, uh, what really struck me was there was no, no judgment No, um, no. in this particular issue here. She just sort of presented no. it as, you know, here's what happened. Yes. And here's a character yeah. who was who's female, yeah. but. Um, obviously had some sort of gender dysphoria and yeah. saw herself as male, as male and she yeah. sort of just depicted it this way there was no yeah. judgment on that issue to say yeah. well you know was, yeah. wasn't this terrible or yeah. wasn't this no. awful no. it was just kind of like well this no. happened and isn't that a tragedy yeah. Yeah, that um, she died and you know, the characters still remen- remember her quite fondly as quite yeah. a good person Yes, uh, and I yeah. love that they struggled with the whole gender thing you know they yeah. kept saying he and they're like oh I meant she, she and, yeah. and they're not quite sure what to do and you know that but they sort of just accept it they accepted right. it yeah. and, and I yeah. love that I thought yeah. you know, this is yeah. you know quite a nice society despite mm. the fact that she murders people yeah. um, you know yeah. the fact that they were so accepting of this, yes. this you know woman they, they didn't judge her they didn't say no. you know, oh you know what a perverse no. and, no. and her murder wasn't linked to like her tragedy wasn't linked to no. her sexuality no it just, no, it just, it just so happened no. yeah, that, that she got murdered and, and it wasn't that a tragedy that she and I like yeah. the way her motive for proposing marriage to Eleanor is, mm. is left open you don't really know if she loved her or if Eleanor sort of who who is a sexually very aggressive person mm. sort of pushed the issue she just sort of leaves that mm. open um, yeah, I find that interesting too. Yeah, I mean, it makes that character quite um, interesting and, and complex. You know, yes. I mean, when I was reading that, I was thinking, you know, oh, I wish I knew more about you know, yes. uh, this character. Yes, and, you know, 
not saying Mountjoy. Mountjoy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. I think we went, oh, I wish yeah. I knew more, but you yeah. know, we never really get the backstory or no. any of that. We just get told this rather um, interesting situation. Well, she's an explorer too. Yeah. She's not just you know, she's not just pretending to be any old man. <laughs> she's pre- she's a, an explorer, and she's done a lot of amazing things as as her male self uh, and a respected scientist. Yes. You know? um, so yeah. you know, she she yeah. um, developed a career for herself. Yeah. And she was, uh, quite an interesting character yeah. uh, um, and by all intents and purposes she actually did trust um, Eleanor because yeah. you know, we're yeah. told in the story that the yeah. murder was very unexpected to yeah. her you know, there was no, yeah. no cries of alarm or anything like that that's right yeah, yeah, you know, that's how she can kill her yeah, yeah. And, you know, there, there's yeah. something quite sad about that for me because mm. I thought mean, oh, you know, mm. what was her last moment mm. like so mm. for me it was quite a, a, a moving story yes um, I agree but at the same the time I, yeah I had it to look deepens up it, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to look up one of the references in there because they, they made a reference to um, the brides in the bath murder yes. which I'd never heard of was a, a lot in the in the in the Lotus Mitchell stories yes, yeah. he was a, a serial yeah, murderer of his wife yeah, yeah and, and this one almost seemed to be based on that but used yeah. that real life and horrid situation yeah. to turn yeah. into something actually yeah. much more interesting yes. and complex yeah. uh, to deal with yeah. issues that are actually yeah. much more interesting and yeah. complex you know yeah. um, so I thought that was absolutely fascinating there's an interesting link to um, water is imagery and death by water runs through a lot of the novels mm. so various drownings and things and and it's interesting that you know that terrible thing for a witch um, they ducked them in in the pond and mm. if they drowned they were innocent and if they survived they were witches and they were burnt to death that kind of thing so <laughs> that, the, that, nice the, that too, lovely yeah. little yeah. catch too that's right so that death by drowning thing it, it's it's a kind of a motif throughout all the stories so that's and that's how Eleanor um Mountjoy is, is killed but that's another mythological kind of thing it is yeah. indeed yes and that uh, she eventually gets a Watson figure Laura so so both so the two of them are, are Female, you know, versions in some ways of, uh, as Holmes and Watson, and Laura is the Amazon. So Mrs. Bradley is a civiline, you know, witch-like crone. Almost Medea-like. Too. Yes, mm. and Laura is the Amazon. She's like Artemis. She's the huntress too, but she's and she's an amazing swimmer. And in lots of the plots, Laura saves the day by, you know, diving into boiling <laughs> waters. And there's this very adventurous kind of aspect to it. But it's all to do with waters. And she knew the waterways of, of England well. She was an expert in architectural um, history. So I, I, I take it just from the endless descriptions of um, the countryside that she knew it like the back of her hand and that's one of the beautiful things of the novels for me as they go through there's these amazing set piece descriptions of rivers and the the, um, the beautiful um, water flowers beside them and Laura's usually swimming like a fish through it all so it's it's all she doesn't push it in this kind of pseudo intellectual way but just those, as you say, those yeah. mythic... It's like a tapestry. It's all woven in, and you pick up bits of it, and it mm. just deepens the formula, because they're formula-driven things, as all detective stories are. But it just deepens and deepens. But I think she's quite she's quite willing to play and, and butt up against the formula, I suppose, because yes. what, what struck me, too, about reading the ones that I have... Um, is that Mrs. Bradley often doesn't appear until, you know, Very 50% of, mm. or even more mm. through the novel. Well, it's chapter 9 in The Rising of the Moon. She doesn't come in. Yeah, yeah. so she's got yeah. enough. She she doesn't 
hew that closely no. to the to the formula. She no, that's she always true. plays with it. I yes, because think. the blokes are always Holmes is always there, Whimsy's always there. They're, yeah, yeah, they're front and center all the time. Yes, you're right. That's an interesting. I haven't thought through the implications of that. I don't quite know what she's doing with that, except that she it gives her a long setup of for the murder and the yeah. social circumstances and family circumstances around the murder, I suppose. Yeah. And then Mrs. Bradley comes in and puts it all to yeah. rights. I mean, while I was reading this one, I was um, trying to imagine what it would have been like to um, have read this without any knowledge of you know, Gladys Mitchell or Mrs. Yes. Bradley. Yes. And one of the things that struck me was that um, it reads almost as if she wasn't intended to be the detective figure. Oh, how perceptive you are that's that's true she yeah. wasn't she Mrs. wasn't Bradley no, she, wasn't no it was meant it was to be Carstairs. yeah it was cast yeah. who, who's the yeah. detective figure in, in yeah. the story she just happened to be yeah. smarter yeah. than him oh good yeah. on you jimmy that that's well spotted yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i thought well you know, did it develop because you know it turned out the criminal was much more interesting than the detective mm. in well, this case she said in the in the one interview she gave mm. she says exactly what she said she didn't intend mrs bradley to be the detective but mm. she just took over yeah, as she does in the narrative, you know, yes. when she when she comes yes. on, that's yes. it. You know, that's she takes it. over. <laughs> Gladys Mitchell says she actually got a bit frightened of her. <laughs> she said I was too superstitious to to actually get rid of her once I had her. Um, she th- this is quoted in your in your article. In article. I was reading it <laughs> yeah. earlier. She yeah. says personally, I should hate to meet her in real life. <laughs> And then she says she simply took over and I became so superstitious about her that I would not dare to have another detective. <laughs> um, Isn't that lovely? I love the way that she writes yeah. about her as, yeah. as as if she's, you know, that, that way of dreaming up that character that just yes. had, takes on a life yes. of their own. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, one of the uh, theories I have, uh, which I was going to put into my thesis, just sort of ran out of time, and this would have actually kind of solidified that theory I had is... Um, the idea between, uh, that the detective and the criminal um, are not that far apart, apart. Mm. Uh, and in fact, in a lot of um, as we move along in time, they seem to just almost switch side over and over and yes. over again. And yes. she almost serves as that uh, pinnacle point where they do actually just they sw- swap side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she yeah. seems to be the precursor of uh, figures like Dexter at yeah. the moment. You know, she uh, yeah. she is the criminal, but she's also the detective, yes. um, but yeah. she's a very dangerous yeah. person. Absolutely. I mean, she, yeah. I can sense yeah. that. Uh, I would be afraid of her, too, you know. But yes, me because, too. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what she, she would do. I mean, if you commit a crime, you'd be like, dear God, let me just stay away from Mrs. Yeah. Bradley for a little while. Because <laughs> she may just, you know, <laughs> off, with her, you know, off with his head. That's it. I'm done. Before you know it. Yeah. Well, looking through Lee's excellent article here from Clues, um, there's a quote that you've excerpted from Butcher's Shop, which yes. I particularly like, yes. which is, Mrs. Bradley says, all murders are committed by lunatics. I'm referring to premeditated murders, of course. And then whoever she's talking to it's says, a young boy. Yeah. yeah, says, really, do you mean all murderers are mad? And she says, except me and my outrageous sanity is in itself a kind of mental defect, I sometimes <laughs> think. I mean, it just captures her funniness yeah. and also her, yeah. her complete, yeah. even though she's got this humanity, but she's completely yeah. immoral in that way. She's yeah. like, oh, yes, you know, I'm yeah. a murderer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm outrageously sane yeah. and mentally defective. Yeah. <laughs> and her son gets her off. Yeah. Her, yeah. her barrister yeah. son gets her off. I mean, even their name, you know, yeah. Lestrange. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. Lestrange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but she, that's like similar to Lestrade. In, yeah, exactly. In, in exactly. It's Holmes. sort of playing with Lestrade and, and, yeah. and Strange it's, at the same yes. time. That's true. Oh, you're both so clever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, I, and I, it's working. It's too. She's a very odd kind of mother because you were saying that she works against the stereotypes of what an old woman, what any woman should be, which yeah. is not powerful and all the rest of it. But she's also uh, oddly, um, she's she's the 
she likes her children, but they're sort of optional extras. Yeah. She lets them go their own way. Yeah. And she has this friendship with her son, but he's he's equally cold-blooded about her. Yeah. So she's sort of undermining all that stuff about families mm. and, you know, mothers and sons and all that kind of stuff. And this is the but 1920s. She, yes. she doesn't She doesn't operate in that kind of, you know, domestic model yeah. of femininity at all. At all. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, yeah. I think even um, yeah. the son admitted that, you know, he's sort of a chip off the old block. Yes, um, he gets his yeah, brilliance. Yeah, he from gets her. his brilliance, but he also mm. gets his amorality yeah, from her as yeah, well. So you know, at yeah, the end when he sort of yeah, says, "Well, you yeah, did, it, didn't you?" I mean, Jesse, yeah, of course yeah, I did. And yeah, you know, the two of them sort yeah. of toasted each yeah, other, sort yeah, of like, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> I got away with murder today. What did you murder. do? <laughs> and I helped you get away with murder, mummy. Isn't that yeah, terrific? Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, you know, on the one hand, you could see it almost as being rather cold, but on the other hand, it's it's a moment of. I don't know, bravado yeah, or you know, applause yeah, or something like that. Yeah, um, and it yeah. kind of reminded me, I don't know why, of that um, wonderful film, um, oh, what's it called, with um, Cary Grant, you know, the, the three, the, the two old aunts who you know, goes around killing all these old men. Um, oh, um, uh, uh, yeah, I know lace, what you mean. Um, Arsenic and old lace. Yeah, that's it. You know, yes. um, it, it has <laughs> that feel, that. it has that feel about it, you know, it's, uh, it's horrific, but at the same time it's, you know, Oddly comedic. It's funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yes. funny, and and it does, you know, raise our own awareness of how we view, you know, people who yeah. are older or, yeah. or old, and yeah, um, yeah I think who are supposed we we don't see them because they're not supposed to be powerful. They're not no. supposed. They're old ladies. They're, they're meant to be frail. It's supposed to be frail. <laughs> and, you know, making restorative jellies for people. Yeah, they can't go around you know, lifting bodies them. and you know, putting yeah. them away. You know, even poisoning people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a description yeah. of you know. Oh, can you imagine? You know, little old Miss Bradley lifting the body <laughs> of Eleanor and putting yeah. it into the bathtub. Yeah. Um, and she's yeah. fine. She's yeah. fine. Yeah. And yeah. I think the detective kind of made that note that well, she was a nurse. And yes. if she's a nurse, yes. then she knows, she knows exactly how to, how to move yeah. a body without. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, that, and she knows how to kill someone. Yeah. Too. And for me, that was sort of, yeah. sort of the other interesting thing, yeah. you know, in that the, the police were originally viewed as incompetent, yes. yeah. but turned out to be actually quite competent. Very perceptive. Yeah. Yes. But not smart enough, enough to get her. Yes, it's like yeah. a chess game, isn't yes, it? They it nearly is. get They get nearly her. get her. Yeah. And, and in fact, in, in yeah. that last chapter, the yes. police is so annoyed. He's like, yes. yeah, she did it. It's like, I know she did it. I just can't believe that she did it. And she's like, yeah. And that's, that's playing with the formula too, because it usually the, the police are idiots. Yes. Well, that's right. And she cha- that developed, she actually developed a very cooperative relationship with the police she be, she actually eventually ends up working for the home office so mm. she does take on an institutional power in the later novels she's mm. more of a lone wolf here which i actually quite like but an inspector gavin who's a scotland yard detective he marries laura who is her her companion secretary you know partner Champion in crime swing swimmer. Yeah. that's right and that's <laughs> right and they and so and laura's relationship with mrs bradley always comes first um even though she adores her husband and her children and all the rest of it, but her career, this is a new woman thing. Yeah. Because her, her work with Mrs. Bradley is her career, and he knows enough just to let them get on with it. So that, 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 I think you're right, she's, she's taking on the stereotypes of that really quite abrasive relationship between the official police and mm. the amateur detective, and she's rewriting that too into a, into a genuine kind of, partnership of equals. Yeah, I think you know when, when you read it from that perspective you see that um, what she's doing 
the entire time wasn't to actually say how stupid they were, but actually to mislead them and yes. to you know yes. to make her case even more solid. Mm. And so she was planning things yes. very very early on. She was yes. planting the seeds yes. of her own acquittal, you yes. know, pretty much uh, yes. very very early on. Yes. So she was playing with them, yes. and they knew that she was playing with them, yes. but they couldn't quite. You know, outsmart her. Yeah. And didn't uh, you love his name, Inspector Boring? Boring, I loved it. You know, there's, there's that quote from Carl says, you know, um, you may be boring, but you're, you're anything but boring. <laughs> and there were these wonderful names, Lestrange and Boring. Yeah. Boring. And she plays lots and lots of games. She really knows the language. And she, mm. and there's epigraphs all through the later novels. And mm. she's clearly very, she taught English and history. She's very well read and she yeah. just loves the language. And, and for me, anyway, there's, there's a shadow of um, uh, uh, Wilkie Collins' um, crap, I forgot her name, the novel now. Moonstone? The Moonstone, the Moonstone. Yeah. In, in this particular story. You know. Oh, there's Miss Clark? Uh, oh. yeah, yeah, all of them. Like oh. the, um, oh. Even the, the amateur detective, all of them seem to somehow. Yes. There's, um, I would love to, when I have the time, if I ever have the time, sit down and try to plot the similarities That's and differences between the Moonstone point. and this yeah. particular novel. Yeah. Because I can see, um, I don't know if it's there, but there's certainly influences or underpinnings of the Moonstone throughout. And it's interesting, isn't it, that mm. the detective who seems to be very homesy and, 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 and he's going to solve everything, he fails in the yeah, Moonstone. he does fail. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. But I thought you were going to make the connection with the mad Miss Clack in the Moonstone, who oh. has that kind of hysterical... She's a... I find her a very sympathetic character, yes. and I think Collins did too. Yes, and she becomes this weirdly evangelical, you know, religious mm. maniac because she she's there's nowhere for her to go. She yeah. has no job. She she can't get financially independent, and mm. it sort of sends her mad. Mm. And I I think you're right. There's an interesting connection with Eleanor, who is a sexual. It comes across as prim, and she's got the glasses, and mm. she's very proper, but she's actually very sexually. Des uh, she's a creature of desire, mm. so she that that I think that the kind of versions of madness coming out in the novels. Uh, um, I, I think you're right. I think probably she would have liked Collins. I yeah, and there's also that him. the whole drugs and yes. you know, sort of coming. Yes, you know, there, there was yes. a lot of parallels there when I was reading. Yes. I was thinking, yeah, there's, That's right. there's some very strong parallel but because yes. you know Steph was rushing yes. me so much to read this novel. I didn't really have time to sit <laughs> on it and stew on it and think about the Jimmy idea. Jimmy finished the novel about three minutes before we oh, started this podcast. Don't rat on him. <laughs> <laughs> you rat. No, no. Just, she would take any chance to. <laughs> I will. To, to I will. Put it down. <laughs> Well, can I say something that I didn't like about the novel? Yes. yes. Because it really did worry me. I, and what do you two think? I, I, I was worried that, in a sense, Eleanor got punished for her sexual desires. Yes. She, because she loved Bertie, this, this rather silly young male who she finds attractive, but he doesn't like her. And he likes Dorothy, therefore Dorothy is in danger of being killed, blah, blah, blah. And it really bothered me a little bit that one of the reasons Eleanor has to die is that her sexual desires cannot be accommodated. Mm. So Mrs. Bradley doesn't use her wonderful powers to find a way to get Eleanor sorted out. <laughs> Eleanor has to die. And, I, and I, I was just a bit worried about that, that it came close to that. You, it happens in new woman fiction. Yeah. You kill off the sexually transgressive one. It happens it's in, in the romance, in of, the romance shop. Yeah. of the shop. It happens in a lot. It, it, you wouldn't expect it to happen in new woman fiction. Mm. So a kind of conservatism, I think, creeps in to the plot that I'm not sure I like. And it happens in the Salt Marsh Murders too. Mm. The same thing. It's a woman who be, gets is beyond the pale, 
because she's sexually, she desires, she's aggressive. Um, and that that bothered me. That was it, it did bother me too, I have to say. Um, I, I'm not sure how... I feel about it because I, I haven't read as much in the in the Gladys Mitchell archive as well. I'm not sure if that was a, a kind of plot narrative convenience or whether there was some kind of mm. m- deeper kind of message mm. there. But yes, mm. it does it does seem to be the kind of final frontier. You know, she seems to be yeah. Mrs. Bradley's pushing at so many kind of stereotypes and um, kind of cultural depictions of of mm. women, mm. but at the same time, she's completely asexual. Yeah, she's she yeah. she's got children, but you don't get a sense of her as ever being a sexual oh, oh, I character. Think she, no, I get the reverse. I think she was a pretty wild child in her youth, but she's sort of she's know, mellowed. She, she's, yeah, yeah, she's gone beyond all that. Well, I don't. I'm, I'm, I haven't read but, as many as you have certainly, but yeah, it does. It does worry me that yeah, the, the sexual kind of, woman is the one who has to die. It bothered me a little bit, but um, what I thought uh, was happening was that she was actually pointing out the hypocrisy of the situation because you have two characters very much um, contrasted and juxtaposed against each other. You have Eleanor yeah. and Bertie. Yes. And right after Bertie describes about Eleanor's you know, horrible, really sexual, you know, horrible yes. sexual advances towards comes him. Comes into his yeah, bed. He yes. into all that. He does the exact <laughs> same thing bed. to Dorothy. Like That's in, right. the yes. next, in the next chapter, he does. he does the exact same thing but to Dorothy. But he's a man, so it's But he's okay. a man, he's and a man. he gets away with it, yes. and Dorothy just sort of yes. tries and says, oh, you naughty, yes. naughty boy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And poor Eleanor is in the background. Yeah, and I think the novel sets us up to sympathise with Eleanor, um, almost to say that society doesn't know how to treat. I don't know. Like I this. think that's a wonderful way out, mm. and I'm not sure I buy it. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure because that, that's the way to let her off the hook. No, that I'm, it becomes yeah, social I mean, critique. I, I, the, I wasn't thinking yeah. of trying to let her off the hook in, in that sense. Yeah. What I was thinking of, um, for me, that that was that the, was, that you, was you my saw, reading of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I wonder yeah. how much yeah. of that is informed yeah. by your position yeah. in time. Yeah, quite you know, possibly. Like yeah. the 21st century yeah. reader. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we don't want women to be killed just because they they want somebody. No, but it is very problematic because you know all sort of sexuality and women do get killed. So you have not joy getting killed. Yeah. For pretty much very similar reasons, yeah. except for you know, very different circumstances, yeah. and you have Eleanor being killed for the same yeah. reason. But yeah. all the men get off. You know? Yeah. And so, is it uh, a problem, or is it just yes. endemic of the time? Yes. That, yes. Know, of, of that but period? even in that reading, then mm. Mrs. Bradley is reinforcing those those nasty realities because she it's, is. it's Eleanor who's dead, not Bertie. Not and Bertie. He's a, he attempts to kill her. Yeah, he, he does. He, he nearly drowns mm. Eleanor. <laughs> and, and she and she protects him. Yes, and and that's the part that Isn't has always it? bothered me but because you they know, just brush that off. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, you well of course. Well, 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 that's the part that actually bothered me more than anything else in this particular novel. Um, the way all the female characters seem to let Bertie off. Oh, they all seem true. to um, protect true. him, or yes. you know, even Mrs. Yes. Bradley protects him. Yes. You know, the first yes. thing she says to him is, uh, "You better find out what you were doing between this hour and that yes. hour, because they're yes. going to be asking yes. you." Yes. Yes. So get your story straight. Yeah. yeah. Get your story straight. So it's almost like she's warning him. Every character seems to be protecting Bertie. Yes. And, and for me, he's not a particularly sympathetic no, I, character. No. I, I, no. I, I, I don't he's... particularly like him no. as a character. No. I don't. Um, I don't and so I'm quite disgusted yeah. that all the female in this particular world seem to desire and want to protect him. Yes. Even the girl that he doesn't. Doesn't love him back in that particular way. She's still protects protective him of him. But that, yeah. then that's an open question, isn't it? Is mm. that critique of that kind of yes. society where men are protected yes. and women are not, mm. or is it actually reinforcing yeah. that? Yeah, and that's a part I'm yes. not sure about. Mm. Yeah, me too. Mm. I, I think it's genuinely open. I think mm. I, I think you'd have to do really close textual analysis to try and figure out where the politics of the novel actually lie. 
another project for you. Personally. Another project mm. for me. Yes, I can see. How about we, we could write? We could write. You know, we could. This could Moonlight is a three, three, three of us. You know, the three musketeers. <laughs> before we before we have to wrap up, yes. did did Mrs. Bradley change over time? Because she's she she remains in the novels from, you know, nineteen twenty nine to nineteen eighty three. Yes. That's a huge chunk of time. Does she change? Yes, she does. She becomes more of the wise woman, and all the cackling and prodding people in the ribs and the, and the weird <laughs> clothes. They do disappear. It's very, it's a bit disappointing. Yeah. But it's, I don't think she ever really repudiates the power of Mrs. Bradley. She is still the powerful one. She became, she becomes Dame um, Adela Lestrange or whatever. She gets knighted, whatever, the Queen, you know. The Queen does that thing (laughs) that she does. Yeah. Yeah. So she becomes, (laughs) she becomes a more conventional figure of the wise woman as the novels progress. Funny that she did that as as, as Gladys Mitchell was becoming yeah, an older. As she becomes older, I think I think you've got it in one. I think she just mellows herself. Yeah. Because as I said at the beginning, she's a very young woman writing this old woman and playing with all these wonderful ideas of power and agency. And I think she just mellows herself. And yeah, she becomes she's the, the later novels by most most people agree they're just not as good but the, there's at least 30 of them that are utterly dazzling mm. and beyond bizarre in their plots and the strangeness of them I think that's a really strong recommendation for our listeners to oh, go and to go yes. and find uh, some what a great because you were saying they're, they're in directs they're still in print they're still in print, still in print. yeah there's yes. um, uh, the ones that I've read have been in that um, who's the publisher Jimmy? Vintage in the vintage yes. editions um, and they're usually I found the earlier um, novels they're, they're, they yeah. are the later ones I've I've trawled the internet and I've been able to buy old library copies and everything of the later ones but most of those are out of print I think you can get them on Kindle and that mm. kind of thing they're, they're that's quite not the same as a real book no. they're quite they're quite widely available I've seen them yeah. in um, in Abby's bookshop in the city and, yeah. and so forth so they're, they're quite it's not it's they seem to be coming back. I should say, a friend of mine sent me this, an American friend of mine. It's it's a, an edition of Speedy Death by the Hogarth Press. Oh, nice. So there's a there's a, there's a nice a um, Bloomsbury link there. A Virginia Woolf it's, connection. It's late. It's 1988. But that, it's got a really bizarre cover that doesn't relate in any way <laughs> to, to the story. But the, I, the, I, I, I value that enormously. I, I, I don't, you know, it's just, just a, a wonderful edition of it. But, yes, yeah, so... Yes, please, people, go out. Yeah, let's and champion read. the rediscovery yes, of Gladys. Read, read Gladys. I like her so much better than Dorothy Sayers. So do I. So I I'm not a Dorothy Sayers fan. I no, this I is not the first time Steph has mentioned her no, dislike I know. of well, Dorothy we, we, Sayers in the joined, podcast. Yeah, oh, right. No, well, we well, we both have very mixed feelings <laughs> about Dorothy Sayers. So we, we would much prefer people go out and read. And read, Gladys. please read Gladys. You'll love Gladys, even though we've spoiled the first one. For yeah, there are there are like seventy years more. Of, of, of <laughs> and she novels. also used male pseudonyms. She's got other detective stories, and we can't, don't have time to go. At, written as a male. Oh, fantastic. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Yes. Thank you so much, Lee. It's a great pleasure. Thank you both. It's lo- it, it's pure bliss to sit and talk <laughs> to people who've read Gladys Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jimmy, and thank you for subjecting to my bullying and reading this yeah. novel in two hours. <laughs> yes, as much as I hated that experience, I loved the yeah. book. So thank Isn't you for the recommendation. Lovely. I'm so thrilled. I was a bit worried. I thought, is he going to like this? <laughs> and you do. I did. I loved that's it. Perfect. Yeah, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent. So three A plus recommendations. Yes, yes. 
Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of From the Lighthouse. Um, I would remind you, if you have a moment, to please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people to find the podcast. Um, and so we they can read Gladys Mitchell, too, and she can become a bestseller, mm-hmm. as she should always have been. Um, Michelle, we miss you. Um, see you again in two weeks. Bye.